This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9. Good morning. It's 7.06 a.m. on Tuesday, the 16th of January. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mukhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Keith Kam. Now, in half an hour, we're going to discuss the case of South Africa versus Israel at the International Court of Justice over allegations of genocide. But as always, we're going to kickstart the morning with a look at how global markets closed overnight. Uh, U.S. markets were closed for Martin Luther King Jr. Day, but earlier in the day in Asia, the Nikkei ended 0.9% higher. Hong Kong Sang Seng was down 0.2%. Shanghai's composite was the opposite, was up 0.2%. Singapore's STI was up 0.2%. And Bursa Malaysia's FBM KLCI closed 0.9% higher, just inching past the 1,500-point level. It's the first time I've actually seen it at that sustained level, at least, you know, for a couple of hours since it closed. <laughs> that high so we get to see it we don't know if it's going to last when markets open at 9 later I, I feel we should celebrate something at this point <laughs> the day I clapped I clapped on air actually when it, when it hit 1500 but you know better not be too optimistic indeed it's only what two weeks into don't the new year it. exactly but in any case uh, on the international market front for some thoughts on uh, what's moving markets we have on the line with us Joe Quinlan Chief Market Strategist at the US Trust Bank of America Private Wealth Management Joe good morning thanks so much for joining us on what is a public holiday for U.S. markets. And given the short week, what direction do you see equity and fixed income markets trading in uh, when they reopen tomorrow for you? Well, the focus will be on earnings and really the weekend news, the uh, the Red Sea, the more we're starting seeing a lot of conflict there. So um, I've already seen my emails come in asking about inflation, oil prices moving higher, what does it mean geopolitically? So I think geopolitics will take front and center tomorrow and what it means for inflation and the Fed uh, expectations of cutting rates that leans against it, higher oil prices. Now, Joe, last Friday, of course, was uh, we saw a plethora of banking results. And of course, to later today, I mean, well, Tuesday time, we're having Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. I know you can't specifically comment on stocks, but the banking results were somewhat mixed. Do you think this is going to be an indication of how U.S. corporates are just going to be like? I mean, when it comes to the eventual rollout of all the corporate earnings? I think you know, the short answer is yes, and here's why. Because the fourth quarter, that's when you throw in the kitchen sink. You do all the charge-offs, you kind of throw everything you know that needs to be thrown in to reset for 2024. But even, even having said that, uh, it will it'll be a mixed bag because the economy continued to grow in the fourth quarter. Retail sales weren't that bad. How strong holiday season! So I mean, I don't think you know earnings are earnings are basically expected to be flat. Mm. Some revenue top line growth. And I think that's how it'll unfold. But you know, you're right in the sense you know it'll be very choppy, volatile, and depend on the sector. And what about uh, margin compression? Are we going to see some serious margin compression with the rise in borrowing costs? We could, but, you know, we've seen that for the last four quarters, if not the last five quarters. Mm. Remember, Q4 earnings, um, you know, the comps from a year ago will be better. So, I mean, we saw a big downdraft in earnings in Q4 of uh, 22. So, But margin compression, boosting productivity, using AI, I mean, that's all we're going to hear about on the, on the calls with the companies. And who can really make that happen remains to be seen. So, uh, Joe, the MSCI Asia X Japan Index ended its second consecutive week of the year last Friday in negative territory. Why have we seen? Why have we been seeing funds flow out of this region, and where are they being directed instead? 
Well, I mean, you said ex Japan, so there's a, a lot more conversation on Wall Street about putting money to work in Japan. Yeah. Uh, there's some a lot of talk about is China investable. We have that conversation every year. Uh, India is expensive, uh, so there's a lot of talk there. So I do think Asia, ex China, and Japan will get a bid as we go deeper into uh, the year. You know, really with the Red Sea global trade slowing down, the World Bank came out. I'm not sure what's you know in the coffee down there. They're very gloomy. Uh, the World Bank saying, you know, worse, worse it's been in 30 years. So I think that weighed on the sentiment of putting more money into the emerging markets. Joe, you mentioned there's a focus on Japan. Is that the reason why we we actually saw a sort of a, a rally in dollar yen yes, yesterday? Well, uh, yesterday, your time. Monday, your mm-hmm. time. <laughs> Yeah, there's. I mean, I'm I'm seeing it from institutional retail, nonprofits, uh, hedge funds. Much more discussion about Japan. Um, I think people belatedly, you know, Warren Buffett has made a lot of money in Japan. I think people are coming around to it. They like the big name stocks, a lot to choose from. So I do think Japan could be an interesting market, but you know, it could be a crowded trade very you know quickly. If everyone likes Japan, that's when you don't want to invest in it. Yeah, but like you say, it went up tremendously last year. I think, what, 28%. It continues to mm-hmm. rally and likely a crowded trade. So where are the bright spots still left um, in Japan? What should we buy? Well, you know, we're still big fans of robotics, life sciences, consumer electronics. Um, maybe some of the automobile companies that aren't you know, going to be buried by these Chinese cheaper EVs. So there's some opportunities there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Japan has some you know, very good companies that are global in nature that you know, they'll do well in a global rebound as we go deeper into this year into next. But you know, we've got to watch China very carefully because a lot of Japanese companies are still sourcing and also making money in China or in China vis-a-vis that demand. So we've got to watch that carefully. Okay, so coming back to China where you say you're getting emails from your clients about whether it's investable, we do know that they're going to have the what they say is the last major data release for 2023. We're going to see GDP numbers, industrial production, retail sales. Are you going to be a bit more of a China bull in 2024? Uh, Probably no. I mean, and here's why. In the sense that China still has to correct their property leverage, property market. They're over leveraged. They got to corral this bad loans, put it in a bad bank. But even more importantly, the Chinese consumers just not out there spending. They're still hunkering down. They're saving. They're worried about unemployment, Social Security, healthcare costs. So, and what China is doing, they're reaching for the old playbook: exports. And that's going to cause some problems. You know, European Union, United States are looking very carefully at the slap more tariffs, uh, restrictions on Chinese exports. So China's really in a bind. Consumers not spending. There's too much over leveraged property markets and the world's not going to accept their exports. So we're being cautious. And if we take a look at gold, that has been relatively bullish this year. I think uh, at the moment it's trading above uh, two thousand fifty U.S. dollars. Um, which countries have been stockpiling this metal in particular, and do you think it's going to see a continued uptick, especially if the Red Sea tensions continue? I think it will continue to see a bid uptick in gold prices. Who's leading the way? It's, it's countries like India. Uh, some parts of the Middle East. It's part of this, this global dollar diversification from the central banks in general, but it's going to happen glacially. So um, if you're looking for a big return in 2024, 
I don't think it's going to be gold. It's going to be more like a large cap tech names, maybe some um, life science companies that get a bid. Last year's laggers now leaders. So I think you'll do okay in gold. But if you're looking for a home run or something, you know, something, you know, something bigger, it's not going to be in gold. And Joe, what about the other gold, black gold? <laughs> it's well, it's been hovering. WTI yeah. has been hovering around seventy-two, seventy-three U.S. dollars a barrel. With what's going on in the Red Sea and the Middle East tensions continuing, do you see gold? Be- oh, sorry, black gold being able to break through this barrier, this resistance level. I mean, it, it could, but only before the only because of bad news. So if you told me. You know, the Straits of Hormuz was going to be shut down. You couldn't move the tankers. I would be you know, weary. You know, Europe is a big importer of oil. So is China. So they would feel the pain first. But really what makes me optimistic about holding the prices where they're at and not a big spike, it's the United States. Um, we're, we're taking market share. You know, Saudi Arabia just cut the price because we're taking market share because we're producing over 13 million barrels a day right now. I mean, we're, we're an energy superpower and the, you know, the markets know that. OPEC plus that cartel, I mean, it's, it's oil share is actually going down. So, um, yes, if, 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 if we get dire straits, you know, in, in the Middle East, we could see oil prices higher. The impact will be felt in Europe and, and in China and less so in the United States. Joe, um, just very quickly as well. I mean, if we go, if we could go back to uh, the actual yellow gold, uh, it's been seen as a safe haven demand, and with the kind of geopolitical tensions that we've been seeing uh, across the world, uh, even in our part of the world in in Asia as as well, do you not see some sort of a, a support there that could bring it back to the twenty one hundred dollar level that we saw the all time high that we saw last year? You know, perhaps, but you know what? Gold, gold, gold has competition. Believe it or not, it's crypto. It's the <laughs> cryptocurrency, and you know, and it sounds crazy, but like a lot of people, even at these price levels, would rather own crypto, thinking it's safe. It's beyond you know the government regulation, and no one can you know really geopolitically drive it. But we're seeing some funds being diverted that would traditionally go to exactly what you said, to gold, to crypto. So it's an interesting dynamic. So this is your fault. You brought up crypto. Is this something that, <laughs> with with what we have seen with the SEC and the ETFs uh, news last last week, uh, is this something that you might advocate for the for the rest of the year? No, we're just we're being cautious. We're not, we're advising our clients just to stand back, see how this plays out. You know, the first one to jump into the pool usually usually loses the most. So, I mean, we're not we're not pressing clients to jump in. We're watching it very carefully. I mean, there, there's digital currencies are the future. We just don't know what that future looks like yet. All right, Joe, we'll be following up with you when you finally decide to jump into that crypto pool. Thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist at the U.S. Trust Bank of America Private Wealth Management, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. We are at the start of earnings season. Lots to come in from that front. And meanwhile, geopolitical tensions continue to dominate. Well, Joe isn't a crypto bro at this moment. (laughs) Not at this moment. Yeah, but I mean, I I would advocate for extreme caution because really it's something so new that if you're going to be... I I like the analogy he gave. You don't want to be the first person in the pool because you don't know what's in the pool, right? Well, just look at the price of Bitcoin, right? When ETFs were first announced, or at least it was approved by the SEC, it jumped all the way to 47,000 US dollars. Today, this morning, it's actually down 0.4% to 42,514 US dollars. That's a huge 
huge decline in just a, in, in a very short number of mm. days. So if you annualize that, it just really reminds you that cryptocurrencies are not the normal asset class that I would, I would suppose more institutional investors are used to. The volatility, it's still a thing for crypto. Uh, let's uh, cover some news that we have on Apple and the little bit of time that we have. We have a couple of headlines here related to them. Uh, number one, Apple aims to remove the blood oxygen feature on its Apple Watch Series 9 and Ultra 2 models uh, in order to get around a U.S. International Trade Commission ban if an appeal um, regarding this technology that's been going through the courts fails. Uh, so they did have an interim stay uh, from the courts uh, that would allow their products to come back on the shelves after they were told to take it off the shelves by the ITC in December. Uh, still going on, we don't know whether that interim stay will continue or not, but they've decided to circumvent this move by taking out that technology. We also have some interesting um news from Apple in China, yeah? Yeah, uh, they are cutting prices for some of its iPhone models by as much as 5% or about 500, 500 yuan in, in China for the first time in years. This discount encompasses everything from the iPhone 13 to the iPhone 15 Pro Max lineup, very similar models, and it seemed to fuel further concerns on dwindling demand for its flagship devices. Okay, so this year, well, and last year, we did see some Apple downgrades, shock and horror, my goodness, people actually calling a sell on it. Uh, because if you look at Wall Street now, there are 32 buys, 16 holes, 6 sells. Consensus target price for this, what used to be the most valuable company in the world. Okay, it's Microsoft has taken that crown. Mm -hmm. Consensus target price, 198 US dollars and 55 cents. Last time price, it was closed today, yesterday. Uh, it's 185 US dollars and 92 cents. Really questions about, you know, the sustainability of Apple phone sales globally, whether the Chinese handset players are giving them a run for their money. And you can listen to this conversation. We did have Ray Kwok of CGS CIMB on the Chinese smartphone slash handset market. His favourite, of course, is Xiaomi. All right, 7.19am. We're going to head into some messages, but we'll come back to cover more of the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.